Welcome to the Father's Heart with Tom Clark, better known as Papa Tom. Good morning. This is Papa Tom of the Father's Heart Talk Show. And I have with me today Rivera Dalfit, who is our second time speaking with her. And we're talking to her because she's an author, a mother, and a candidate for lieutenant governor of the great state of North Carolina. Mm-hmm. So welcome again, Rivera. And uh, we want to go more into your background and more into sharing with the people of North Carolina uh, why it is that you're running for this particular office. And it's something that uh, we want to bring out context. We want to bring out uh, what we believe, I do believe this, is the anointing that God has given you Mm -hmm. to run for this office. Then that's the reasoning behind it. Because I think it's important to share, if you're going to tra- be transparent with people, and people love transparency, yes, of is to give them the thought behind the thought. So uh, with that in mind, uh, Rivera, share with the people, share with our audience, uh, why is it that you think that God is asking you to run for this office? If he is asking you. Yes, is he asking of course you? he is. Yes. Okay. Uh, I see through a biblical lens. I was sharing that with you earlier. So yes, of course, God is asking me to do this. I've said many times I don't have to. I have no reason to do it. Um, I don't need the fame or the glory or the mm-hmm. power or any of those things, but I'm doing it because he asked me to. And when God asks me to do something, whether it makes sense to people or not, I do my very best to follow through with what he's asking me to do. So that is the biggest reason I'm doing it. I think that he has his reasons for asking me versus mm-hmm. someone else, maybe. Um, he's been preparing me for years for this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe in the critical care. I've worked in high stress environments and those types of things and mm-hmm. had to make difficult decisions under pressure. And, you know, we don't know what's coming. I've said that often. We, God knows True. what's coming, um, but we do not. And I just believe that God really is actively positioning people and anointing people at this time to be in position to make maybe some difficult decisions. And they have to be people that are teachable, that are uh, surrendered and are willing to follow his lead. You know, I have to think, be personally honest with you, uh, I'm glad it's you and not me. <laughs> well, because I, I never wanted to be in political office. Well, I understand uh, that. <laughs> I almost despise the whole political process. Mm. I spent 50 years of my life outside of Washington, D.C., mm. in Northern Virginia, And I really developed a distinct distaste for politicians. Mm. Uh, I'm thankful that you're not a politician. Yes. That you're of the cloth of a statesman. And and it was what the originally founding fathers wanted uh, our political leaders to be statesmen. Yes. Not to be political people who are in it for themselves. Right. And uh, as I've seen it develop over my lifetime, uh, it always uh, was a bothersome to me or an annoyance to me to see people uh, obtain political office for the what they could gain politically uh, financially out of it right uh, scripture tells us that the love of money is the root of all evil yes and I've seen politicians get bought off left and right mm-hmm. on both parties both both mm-hmm. Democrats and and Republicans mm-hmm. um, Baron Rothschild once said I don't care who makes the laws as long as I can print the money 
Mm. And his thought behind, the context behind that, which we're going to talk to in a bit about context, his context was, if I could print the money, I could bribe, bribe the politicians. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm in the position of power if I have the money. Mm-hmm. I think that whole Babylonian system of debt is going to crash in the United States and around the world. Yes. But that's an aside for today's conversation. <laughs> yes. It really doubles down to what's in your heart mm-hmm. and uh, what God has put in your heart. Mm-hmm. Because uh, if God has put, and if I use the word sense, I use the word sense, mm-hmm. God has put in your heart this desire. Right. It's put in you an incorruptible seed. And the incorruptible seed is the word. And the word that's in your heart is what keeps you honest, if you will. Mm-hmm. Why? Maybe a better word would be true but keeps mm-hmm. you true mm-hmm. to what God has put there. Because I've seen so many people when they get into political office, mm-hmm. congressmen says more so on the national level than at the state level, but even at the state level. Uh, George Soros has bribed too many uh, secretaries of state in too many states mm-hmm. because he wanted to corrupt the election process. Mm-hmm. I've seen that happen in all the swing states, Georgia being one of them, which is next door to us. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, it's where evil operates because evil gravitates to power. Mm-hmm. And so if the mm-hmm. highest rungs of power is politics, mm-hmm. because God is government, it says in Isaiah 43, mm-hmm. see 43 or 33, mm-hmm. where it says, I am the lawgiver. Mm-hmm. I am the king. I am the judge. Right. So the three branches of government that our founding fathers gave us, God's describing himself. He, he loves government. Mm-hmm. He hates politics. Yes. We talked about that in our last conversation, I think, or that's, we briefly did. That's true. Yes. And so we were discussing before we um, um, got on the air how it is that uh, uh, God has shown you there are two biblical characters mm. that correlate to your life. And where you are. Yeah. And the first one I bring up was Esther. What was it about Esther from the biblical story that reminds you of yourself? Hmm. Well, first of all, it's it's so interesting to have to talk about yourself and say, oh, I'm anointed. You know, it's a <laughs> it's a difficult thing for me to do, really. But well, you don't uh, have to do but, that. I'll, but, I'll say yeah, you're but, yes, the, <laughs> but the Lord has, I believe, anointed me, and I think He's anointing many people right now to mm-hmm. raise them up and position them. But uh, Esther, she was um, she was chosen out of unlikely circumstances, but she was willing to step out and take mm-hmm. a leap of faith to enter herself into this beauty pageant, so to speak, you know, to become mm-hmm. the next queen. Um, she was in the palace and she was humble. She was not a diva. She had favor with the eunuch that was uh, assigned to her to prepare her at, for over a year's time mm-hmm. to go in to meet with the king. And she basically humbled herself in that setting and was willing to be taught and she had favor with the entire palace because True. of it. Yeah. So I see, you know, God give put, placing favor upon my life. I think favor is something that comes with the anointing and being chosen for something. Uh, mm-hmm. God opens doors no man can shut when you have favor on you. It's not just getting a great parking place, but favor is puts you in front of the right people at, mm-hmm. and gives you the right thing to say at the right time. So... God has put favor on my life. Uh, That's true. 
Yeah. So let's just uh, share with the audience. Let's unpack the word on anointing. Anointing. What do you yeah. mean by anointing? Okay. So our audience gets a gets an understanding. So anointing. Um, I believe. Well, we know biblically that people were anointed with oil mm-hmm. when God was going to set them apart to be uh, kings or priests or these types of things. The priests would come and anoint the kings. We know that from the story of David. When he was anointed king, Samuel came to Jesse's house, his father, and looked through all the seven brothers, mm-hmm. thought that several of them looked like the part. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe they uh, looked like presidential, looked kingly, but uh, the Lord said, no, you know, I, you look at the outward appearance, but mm-hmm. I look at the heart. And I believe this was what... Um, happened in David's story. He was anointed because of the heart that he had for God. So anointing is something that it's like being smeared or rubbed with oil. And in the Bible, the oil is the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. So it's something that comes from God. It comes from the Holy Spirit Mm -hmm. and it sets you apart. There's an unction that you're given by the Holy Spirit to do things you wouldn't be able to do on your own. So you're being chosen to do a task. And um, we'll be back in a minute, but I just want to cover this uh, point that anointing is not something that somebody chooses for themselves, but it's anointing as someone God chooses to for an assignment right. to do something for God's purposes. Exactly. So we'll be back in a moment. And we'll talk further about the anointing with Rivera. We're back with Rivera. And in our last segment, we were talking about anointing. And we were unpacking the word anointing. And Rivera mentioned that anointing started with the concept of oil. And oil represents smearing on the forehead. And the prophets would anoint kings. And uh, prophets would anoint different people because God would lead the prophets because he doesn't do anything on the earth that he doesn't first reveal to his Mm. servants, Mm -hmm. the prophets. They would anoint people for certain tasks and certain positions. And so here we have this thought and Rivera would like to share a little bit more about the concept of anointing. And we, we're going to bring up two biblical characters. One we already mentioned was Esther, which we'll go into a little bit deeper, mm-hmm. and also David. So with that in mind, Rivera, share with the audience the thoughts that you have about this word anointing. Well, when someone's anointed, they, they are uh, endowed by God to do a certain thing that they couldn't do. They do it by the Spirit. They couldn't do it in their own flesh. So it's when you have an anointing, uh, a lot of times anointing comes from crushing. We know that mm-hmm. He refines us and He crushes, uh, you know, the crush the, the olive to make the olive oil come forth. So when you're talking about oil, oil, the oil of anointing often can come from crushing, but it's also something that um, gives you supernatural ability to do that thing which you've been anointed to do, or it's something that causes a person who is anointed when they walk into the room to be set apart, to fill the room with an aroma, so to speak, of the Spirit of God that... um, wasn't there before they got there. And mm-hmm. so it's it's a very much a thing that can only be done by God. Mm-hmm. It's being set apart by the Holy Spirit for for a purpose. You you said for an assignment, mm-hmm. you know. Purpose is it, identity than identity and assignments are two different things. We kind of sure. talked about that last time. Um, purpose is a more broader term. Mm-hmm. I mean you could have multiple assignments yes, inside of a purpose. A, within a purpose, yes. Uh, 
And certainly that's true. I think of many biblical characters. I mean, Abraham was anointed to be the father of many nations. Right. He may not have had a prophet anoint his head, but God certainly had anointed him. Mm -hmm. uh, and one of the symbolic ways of anointing him is he changed his name from Abram to Abraham. Um, the, all the founding fathers of um, the Judeo-Christian world, I call it that, uh, the founding fathers in the Bible was Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And they were all anointed mm -hmm. because they were they were anointed to pass through the bloodline, the seed of the woman, through the womb of the nation of Israel. I even think I'll share with you a story briefly. Uh, in October first of two thousand sixteen, I was at one of my churches on a Saturday. It was on a Saturday around noontime, and I was sitting down soaking in worship music. I had no lyrics to it, was just soaking in music, preparing for a healing room uh, activity at one o'clock in the afternoon. I had an hour there, and God told me that Donald Trump was anointed. And I wasn't really inclined to vote for him at the time until he showed me that um, Hillary's heart was sealed, her conscience was sealed, and that there was a spot, a place in Donald's heart that he could uh, press into, and he could press into that because he had a father's heart. He honored his father and mother. Uh, Fred, I think, was his father's name. And uh, he, he had that anointing that God was going to use him in America. And eventually that was going to be for a rebirth in America. Mm. And he actually associated Donald Trump, people might not believe this, but with George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, mm. and Donald J. Trump because they had anointings to be fathers. Mm -hmm. Now the Father's Heart Talk Show, I'll bring it up, yeah. because it's something that uh, really was a communication between God and myself, that um, mm -hmm. he had a Father's Heart, just like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And, and, and he compared, uh, God compared Donald Trump with Jacob. Jacob means twisted, mm -hmm. deceiver. And that was part of his life until he wrestled with the angel. Mm. And he wrestled with the angel, broke his hip, and he gave him a new name. Mm -hmm. See the anointing? Mm -hmm. The new name was Israel, mm -hmm. right? Who is the prince of the kingdom. Mm -hmm. And so God, in, in wrestling with Jacob, changed his life, changed the trajectory of Jacob's life, just like he has changed the trajectory of Donald J. Trump's life mm -hmm. for the sake of God's purposes. Yes. In America. Yes. And so there's a parallelism there uh, to the word anointing and chosen. Mm -hmm. And so maybe you would say it on a smaller scale, because we're dealing with the state and not the federal government. Uh, nonetheless, uh, we don't know what the future has for you. But for right now, it's looking at the great state of North Carolina. Yes. And God wants to position his people in certain places. Mm -hmm. All right. I know one of the other candidates who'll be working for governor will be Mark Robinson, and we may even have him on the show one day. But uh, the purposes here, again, is not for you, it's for God's purposes. Oh, absolutely. It's not for Mark Robinson's, whoever it is, it's also for God's purposes. Yes. So that's why we're on the Father's Heart talk show, because yeah. we want to expose what's in the Father's heart Yeah. and, and un have people understand what that is. So tell us a little bit more about how you see this anointing and being chosen for this purpose, mm -hmm. and then you're going to be giving multiple assignments inside the purpose, how that uh, correlates to Esther? Well, Esther was 
chosen for such a time as this. You know, uh, Mordecai sent a message in, and she Mordecai had, was her uncle. Her uncle, yeah. who actually talked her into going in to try out to be the next queen. Um, she So she loved Mordecai, but he would stand at the gate and he mm-hmm. found out that the Jews were being threatened. Mm-hmm. Uh, their lives were being threatened from someone within the palace mm-hmm. named Haman. And An Amalekite. Right. He said hated the Jews. He hated the Jews. Uh, he Mordecai sent a message in to Esther and said... You know, this is what's happening. You're going to need to go to the king. So she sent out a, a fast, uh, she sent a message out to tell the people to fast and pray with me mm-hmm. for three days. And she did what she asked them to do. It's not like she was asking them to sure. do something she wasn't willing to do herself. And then after three days, she asked to go in and see the king. She could have, she was risking her life to do so. Mm-hmm. She could have died to go to ask to see the king without being. Um, you know, asked to go sure. in by him. You know, the odd um, thing about that, I think about it, is that heretofore mm-hmm. in the history of that nation, mm-hmm. they never had a Jewish Jewish queen. Right. They they selected them from tribes that were non-Jewish, mm-hmm. and so it was odd that mm-hmm. that Esther was actually even in the running. Right. Because how did she get in there? Because she was a Jewish. Mm-hmm person and she couldn't even reveal the fact that she yeah. was Jewish. Her name was Hadassah in Hebrew and yeah, she went in as Esther, which was the uh the star or whatever, but yes. that was the actual Persian name. She, she went in yeah. the, on the under the radar. Under the street. radar. Nobody expected no her to went, win. No one expected her to win. There's uh, a parallel. Yeah. Um and she no one knew she was Jewish, another mm-hmm. parallel. Um and she went in uh, to save the people. So she asked to see the king. Fast forward, the king uh, gave, she had favor in the sight of the king and saved the Jewish people. But but Mordecai said, perhaps you have been t- brought into the kingdom for such a time as this. That was in his note to her mm-hmm. originally. So I, that I don't is, think he said perhaps. I think he said, you have been chosen. Well, yeah, like, what if you've been chosen? I think (laughs) it was kind of in question form. I'm not sure. I'd have to go back and look. But um, But it was definitive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He knew she had been, but he was was reasoning with her. Like, And she said, well, if I die, I die. If I perish, I perish. I'm, you know, I'm going to fast. I'm going to go in. And see if I she can, was all in. See if I can get in right. because one way or another she was going to die if she died. Right. So she may as well go ahead and try to save the people. And she didn't hesitate. And she didn't hesitate. And she did. Uh, she was about her father's business, I believe. True. And uh, when she had a father's heart, she had a father's heart. A father's she heart. wanted to save the Jewish people, and she did. Yeah. And what about David? David. Uh, David was positioned, he was anointed king because of his heart. Mm-hmm. He had spent all that time out in the shepherd field and, you know, he was out there worshiping God and in his free time writing songs wow. and psalms. And we know he wrote most of the psalms. Um, David, they call him a man after God's heart for a good reason. Not they, to say... They call him? Well, he's called that. And Who called him that? God called him there that. There we go. Yeah. And we call him that because <laughs> yes, God called because him God that. Called, exactly. God identified him as right. the man after his heart. So um, David was chosen. Yeah. David, God saw his heart. 
And I believe that anointing often comes from what's in the heart. You know, mm-hmm. God chooses to anoint based on that. Um, That's true. He chooses people because he knows what's in their hearts. Remember when uh, Samuel was uh, going through the process of the seven sons mm-hmm. and he and he found the first one he thought was going to be, he looked mm-hmm. like he'd be a king and Eliab mm-hmm. was a I'm second or third one. That's got to be him. He's looking good. He's a king from the Mm -hmm. outside. Mm -hmm. But then God spoke to Samuel and says, man chooses from the outside appearance, Mm -hmm. but I choose from the heart. heart. And that's the most important thing. And that's what, Rivera, you offer to the people of the state of North Carolina is you Mm -hmm. offer your heart. Yes. And that's what they should be voting for. That's what they should be choosing Mm -hmm. is your heart because your heart will lead you to the right place. Yes. God will lead. The Holy Mm -hmm. Spirit will lead. And if... Difficult decisions have to be made. He'll lead me to make the the right ones. Sure. I really believe that. And I think that's what comes with anointing is being able to know what to do and when to do it by the Holy Spirit. And we also see that David was a, because he was a shepherd boy, Mm -hmm. he was on the lowest level of the socioeconomic rungs of society. Mm -hmm. It would be like the janitor today. It oh, would be, yeah. You couldn't think of somebody more lowly than a shepherd boy. Right. Today's society may say it's a janitor. I can't think of anybody mm-hmm. less uh, with mm-hmm. less esteem in the eyes of the people. That's right. But it didn't matter what the eyes of the people were. Mm-hmm. The other thing I found fascinating was that when Samuel, who's the, he's the big, big to do, same as the prophet, when he said to, uh, to um, what was it, Jesse, uh, David's father, to yes. bring your sons, mm-hmm. he never brought David. He right. brought the seven sons, and there's, there's no David. And, and uh, Samuel goes through all seven sons, and God says, no, 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 seven times. And then Jesse has to ask, I'm sorry, Samuel has to ask Jesse, you know, I asked for the sons, and you gave me seven, and there's nobody here. You, you have anybody else? Mm-hmm. And it always made me wonder why mm-hmm. Jesse never brought up David. Mm-hmm. Why was David not included? And I think there's a hidden meaning in that. And maybe when we get back, I'll share with you my thoughts on why David was not considered one of the sons of Jesse. He was an outcast because of some reason. And we'll be back in a moment and stay with us at the Papa Tom's The Father's Hot Talk Show. We're back with Papa Tom and Rivera, The Father's Hot Talk Show. And we were just talking in the last segment about anointing and uh, David and uh, we were questioning why Jesse, David's father, was not um, forthcoming, if I use that word, with David in the beginning when Samuel went to the house and he asked Jesse uh, to bring forth his sons. He brought forth seven sons and each son got a negative uh, response from God uh, and why it was that Jesse didn't want to bring David up with the other seven sons. Mm-hmm. So, Rivera, what are your thoughts about that? Well, I've often wondered if maybe he was a half-brother. Mm-hmm. Maybe his mom was a different mom, or maybe he wasn't actually Jesse's son. But it does say uh, that Jesus came out of the lineage of Jesse. So mm-hmm. we would have to then wonder if it maybe had something to do with his mom being a different mom. or. Mm-hmm. But either way, he wasn't a full, maybe wasn't a full brother with mm-hmm. those brothers. I don't know. It's, mm-hmm. you know, speculation. We can't know for sure. 
Yeah, it's speculation as to the reason why. Right. It's not speculation that Jesse didn't want him there. No, it's not speculation. He was the least likely he one. He was the least likely one, exactly. Yes, for sure. And, they also, and overlooked and, and used they, as, as what? A servant, basically. Yeah. As, and they also gave him, Jesse had to have given him the job as being the shepherd boy. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And... Um, because that God, that job was given to him by his father. Right. And why his father choose him to have the worst job going mm. uh, and not consider him as being one of the seven sons. Mm-hmm. You also pick up a little uh, piece of this, a little tidbit of this, when um, David goes to provide food to the army of Israel mm-hmm. and to his brothers who are fighting in the army against Goliath. Against Goliath, right? yes. And, and they talk down to him like he's, they belittle him. Well, yeah. You know, what are you doing here, you little runt? You know, that kind of a language. Or You're right. That, that's the sense right. behind that, mm-hmm. that his brothers did not respect David. But right. God, but David had God's anointing. Yes. And the other brothers didn't. They didn't. And he was able to do what he did for God's purposes. Because this all brings us into the next step, uh, thing we're going to talk about next thought we want to talk about because mm. context is a thought behind the thought mm-hmm. and the thought behind the thought that we want to bring out with Rivera is your identity, mm. your calling okay, and your destiny right. and how the anointing mm-hmm. right brings forth the em- empowerment to fulfill your calling and destiny. Mm-hmm. So let's speak a little bit about that. Well, my identity is first a daughter of the King of Kings. And I always introduce myself that way. It's it's just, I love Jesus. I'm unapologetically, that's who I am. Mm-hmm. I live through that lens. So that's, I'm not going to try to be something I'm not. You hit on politics earlier and God had to convince me that I didn't have to do politics to do government. The government rests upon his shoulders and he's asking me to govern, not to, to do the politic thing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I'm not doing that, but um, I've been, he's likened me to Esther. He's likened me to King David. He's likened me to some of the other characters in the Bible to tell me who I am through the years. It's been a, a process probably of the last seven or eight years that I really started asking the Lord, who do you say that I am? Mm-hmm. And I would encourage people who maybe are just maybe getting started with the Lord, or maybe you've been known him for years, but you've never asked that question. I believe it's one of the most important questions we can ask the Lord. Uh, to uh, One thing I prayed was, Lord, teach me if I've ever learned anything wrong about you. Mm. And then would you show me who I am, who you say I am, mm-hmm. beyond being a daughter, being favored or loved or blessed? Mm-hmm. Uh, who do you say I am? And he started out by telling me, Deborah, he, and I think I mentioned that last time. And then he started talking to me about Solomon and David and mm-hmm. um, Esther is the one that he's really been hitting hitting on lately. And I think um, it's because all of those people maybe were unlikely candidates for different reasons, but uh, mm-hmm. for what he had chosen them to do. Sure. But he anointed each and every one of them, and they were all governmental in nature. The ones that I just mentioned. Yes. I believe they were all governing in kings, some in some queens. Yeah, kings, queens, uh, you know, presidential or. Uh, in our society, justice. Of, yeah. They, yeah, they were. Yeah, you know, 
People, uh, leaders carrying, in positions of authority. Yes, carrying out justice. Governmentally. Um, you spoke of David coming up on the line of the army there in Israel, coming against Goliath. And I, the Lord has actually spoken to me quite a bit about that story mm-hmm. um, and compared it to what I'm actually up against. Because, you know, if I were to walk up to that same row of people mm. in politics right now, which I have. I've been, on, I've been on this campaign, you know, <laughs> journey a little while now, and I'm learning some things that I'd rather not know mm. um, about how this all works, but it's not all wonderful. And they do look at you and say, what are you doing here? Or what, you know, who do you think you are? Or, you know, you kind of get that feeling from some, sure. not from all. Uh, there have been some kind, really kind people well, in the process. it's good you're being persecuted. Right. So, <laughs> so but David, you know, David walked up and he, he didn't have an agenda. He was just bringing lunch. Sure. But he saw a problem. And that's what I think God is placing people in position who he, who will see the problem, see problems in front of them and come up with solutions. And that's what governing's really about. It's not about having a gain for yourself, but sure. it's about seeing problems, finding solutions with the Holy Spirit, and then following through to carry out those solutions. So he saw a problem. He knew he was equipped in his previous season or in the season in uh, w- dealing with the sheep in the private secret place, if you will, with the Lord. He was equipped to do what he was getting ready to do. You know, and- it's interesting when you bring up the story of David. I want to also bring up a story about Jesus in a moment, but uh, asking people, who do you say that I am? Let me go to that in a moment. But before I get there, I want to mention this thought about um, when David got up there and as a, as a teenager, and he's bringing the food to his brothers mm-hmm. and they're putting him down. Mm-hmm. But he's looking at the whole situation. He's saying, why is the army of Israel... Mm-hmm. God's army, mm-hmm. God's behind you. Yeah. Why are they afraid? Mm-hmm. See, he, he sensed mm-hmm. and felt and sensed the thickness of the fear mm-hmm. against this Goliath yeah. because the entire army mm-hmm. was, was cringing at the prospect of having to go against this giant, right? And David, who couldn't even put on Saul's armor because he was too small, mm-hmm. was wondering, and David was not afraid. He wasn't. And the whole army was afraid. Right. Tens of thousands it's, it, of soldiers were afraid of this one giant. Mm-hmm. And here is David and his ire was like, his passion was, was aroused. Uh, right. Know? So it's, uh, this could, can be compared to the church today, mm-hmm. uh, the modern day church or the Christians of today, or it could even be compared to, you know, politics. If you mm-hmm. look at it, just people in general are afraid. Yes. I think there's a lot of fear. Since um, COVID, uh, I, right. I've seen experienced more fear mm-hmm. in America and more fear in the right. world since COVID than any time in my entire life. It's but been unleashed for sure. Let me go fear. back to uh, when you mentioned, who do I say that I am? Because this is going to bring up to people the issue of intimacy. Mm-hmm. And uh, you could only find out who you are. In fact, you wrote a book, didn't you? <laughs> yes. Called Intimacy, mm-hmm. one of your two books. Yes. Right? So um, Jesus one time asked the disciples, they're sitting around the campfire and he looks at them and says, Mm. who do you say uh, I am? 
and he actually refers to himself as the son. Of, who do you say the son of man is? If you look at it closely, mm-hmm. who do you say the son of? So he already identified himself as the son of man. He says, "Who do you say?" And some said, "Some says you're Elijah. Some say you're John the Baptist, right? Some say you're Jeremiah." And uh, Jesus looked them in the eye and says, "I don't care what some say. Like third party people saying, you know." Mm-hmm. Uh, indicating who I am. Who do you say that I am? And Peter pipes up and says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Mm -hmm. And Jesus steps back and compliments Peter Mm -hmm. and says, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal that to you, but my father in heaven, Mm -hmm. the father reveals our calling and destiny. Mm-hmm. Our Father revealed Jesus as the Messiah, mm-hmm. the Christ, the anointed one. That's what Messiah means in Hebrew, mm-hmm. the anointed one. Yes. That's what Christ means in the Greek, the anointed one. So that God was identifying Jesus as his anointed one. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's remarkable of that. But that was also a sign that God the Father was speaking through Simon, through Peter, mm-hmm. to make the announcement. Mm-hmm. It was a declaration. That was the first time that that declaration was made. And that comes through with intimacy mm-hmm. with the Father. Yes. So share with our audience a little bit about the intimacy that you have had with the Father that brings you to the place of mm-hmm. him choosing you mm-hmm. and giving you this anointing for this particular governmental position that you are pursuing Mm -hmm. in obedience Mm -hmm. to what God the Father is telling you to do? Well, intimacy is uh, simply just following the voice of the Lord. I mean, being with God and talking to the Father like he's across the table from me as you are. Mm -hmm. So that's just my my daily life. I'm always talking with him, and mm-hmm. um, so you have a walking, talking relationship. Yeah, with him. I'm listening. I'm you good know, for you. I'm always doing that. So it's just a dialogue that's pretty constant. Mm-hmm. Um, whether, so you're not just a church going Christian on Sunday. Oh no, no, no. So I hear from the Lord, um, as David probably did. You know, I feel like David was anointed with the Spirit. Oh, clearly, of God. he did. And he heard, he couldn't have written the Psalms without right. having that walk. So he relationship. heard. So he heard the Lord. He wrote it down. He was a prophet in that way. Mm-hmm. As he was hearing the Lord, he wrote down or he spoke what he heard the Lord saying. So mm-hmm. uh, he was not only a, a king, but he was a prophet, a songwriter, and all kinds of things. Commander of the army, eventually, and all of that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I. I think that intimacy is just like it is with with human beings. It's getting to know someone well enough to know when you hear their voice that you know you've heard their voice. Mm-hmm. And when I hear the the spirit of the Lord, I know I've heard it because I've been interacting with him long enough to know. So it's it's simply that. I I don't even know what else to say. Uh sure. it, maybe it's so simple for me I don't even know how to put words on it, but Well, I think you've been very clear. mm -hmm. And um, we're going to be back in a moment, but I do want to bring out in more detail why God is comparing you in some senses to Esther. Because I believe we're in a time such as this, not only were you were made for a time like this, but this particular time, we have an anti-Semitic attitude developing Mm -hmm. in people. 
and so did Haman. And the issue of Esther and Haman anti-Semitism is mm -hmm. part of our condition today. Mm -hmm. So we'll be back in a moment to talk further in depth about that with Rivera. We're back with Father's Heart Talk Show and Papa Tom's, um, our guest is Rivera. And we were unpacking this correlation between Rivera and Esther. We mentioned previously that she was made for a time like this. And I want to bring it to the current day because I believe in the current day in America, we are dealing with an anti-Semite or anti-Semitic spirit. Mm -hmm. And that anti-Semitic spirit is a comes from a power and principality of evil, mm -hmm. which scripturally represents a giant. So we'll go into that whole process. But uh, step by step, Haman was a an Amalekite. Mm -hmm. An Amalekite hated the Jews. Somehow he escaped when Saul was directed by Samuel to kill all the Amalekites. Mm. Every man, woman, child, dog, cat, goat, sheep, and he didn't. Mm. And in the time that it delayed between uh, Samuel getting to Saul, a couple of days went by, it was said that a woman escaped who was pregnant and through her uh, was where how uh, Haman ended up being in uh, the society in Persia and uh, how he carried with him this uh, hatred for the Jewish people. And he ended up in the court of the Persian king and how Esther was raised up by God with her anointing as chosen mm -hmm. to overcome that Amalekite spirit. Mm -hmm. Now, the reason why I'm bringing that up is that we say, well, that happened thousands of years ago. Yes, it did, but it's resurrecting itself mm -hmm. or reoccurring, I should say. Maybe not use the word mm -hmm. resurrecting, but it's coming back yeah. because uh, Jonathan Kahn once wrote the book recently, The Return of the Gods. Yes. And one of these gods is Baal. Mm -hmm. And Baal inspires people with don't even give them reasons. They just not even rationally have an anti-Semitic spirit. We're finding that in America today. Mm -hmm. We're finding someone like George Soros, mm -hmm. who's a current day Haman. And he's trying to solicit political maneuverings mm -hmm. to institute government edicts against the Jewish people and also against just basically Americans mm -hmm. to take away our freedom and to have us sacrifice our freedom for security. Mm -hmm. That's all part of this good and evil process that's yeah. has developed in America. So we want to go back to Esther and uh, for a moment and just touch upon this thought that um, she, her uncle Mordecai had encouraged her to take that particular position and Haman had set up a situation mm -hmm where the Jews were going to be um, annihilated. Yes. And he got the king mm -hmm. to approve this law. Right. Remember? Mm -hmm. And back in those days, a, law, a king could not retract his statement. Mm -hmm. Once he made a statement, once he made the law, he couldn't retract it. Mm -hmm. So they were going to get stuck. So carry it from there. What happened? that allowed Esther, to God, to use her and her anointing to change that situation yeah. and do a 180. Because I bring that up because I believe we need to do a 180 in our country today. <laughs> yes, yes, we do have a 
really an antichrist spirit that is un, has been unleashed on our country. Mm-hmm. It's anything that would come against God or creation. It really is an antichrist type of spirit, anti-God spirit, and a Haman spirit mm-hmm. uh, is what we're. It's what we're dealing with. Uh, wanting to come against the Jewish people, coming against Christians who stand with the Jewish people or who are grafted in as God's people, mm-hmm. that Haman spirit would love to destroy. Uh, so Esther, yes, was positioned. She uh, called for fast, as I mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. and asked to go see the king. She went in to see the king. She had a favor with the king. He extended his royal scepter, mm-hmm. gave her fa- she had favor, and he asked her, uh, what is your petition, Esther, up to half the kingdom and it will be uh, given to you? Mm-hmm. And she said, may I come and, and request again, you know, tomorrow? Like she extended, it's like she um, was asking for the opportunity to extend this a little bit, like for right timing. It was very smart on her part sure. to be in the timing of the Lord. Mm-hmm. So uh, he said yes, and she came again. And then she called for a banquet and she invited the king and Haman into this banquet. Mm-hmm. And I'm remembering all of this without any notes. So I, I hope I'm remembering everything. You're, you're but, right on, you're tracking. Yeah, so uh, they come to the banquet and Haman is very excited. He's already been building gallows for killing uh, Mordecai. And he wants to hang Mordecai because he can't stand him. Who is Esther's uncle. Who is Esther's uncle, but he, he doesn't know that. Haman hated the Jews. <laughs> Haman hated the Jews. And he Mordecai knew, represented the Jewish yeah, people to him. He knew Mordecai was a Jew who stood by the gate and he hated him. So he was going to have Mordecai uh, hung on these gallows that he had built in his own backyard. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Esther brought him in and into this banquet and then confronted the spirit of Haman Mm -hmm. uh, across the table from uh, Haman and the king. And she said, basically presented what was going on. And and he said, the king said, who would do such a thing? And she said, "Um, your person Haman here is the one who devised this plan to to annihilate the Jews. Mm -hmm. So the king decided to save the Jews. And there's one other piece of the story. I want to remind you of was that the Persian king, she, she also brought up a story of someone who um, had done a great deed mm-hmm. yes. for the Persian well, king. Well, he couldn't, it said the king couldn't sleep. Right. There was something in the story where the king could not sleep. He got up, he had the books brought out That's and right. had them Historical read. Historical books. Historical books of things that had happened in the palace. Right. He had that read to him in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's something very, very specific and strategic about the king not being able to sleep. That has been actually pointed out to me lately. And asking for the records. Asking for the records, having the records being read. And uh, he said, who could tell me how to honor this person, Mordecai, basically? Um, and they said, he said, who's in the courtyard? And the servant went and looked and he said, well, sir, Haman is in the courtyard. And he brought Haman up. He asked Haman to tell him, how would you honor the this most type of person? The most, but he didn't mention it yeah, was Mordecai. He told him that this type of person, the mo- you know, how would you, a distinguished person of honor, <laughs> yeah. how would you uh, honor this man? And of course he thought he was talking about him. Because he was prideful. <laughs> he was prideful and arrogant and... 
full of himself. So Haman thought, well, I'm going to do this grandiose thing and had all these plans for wearing the king's crown and the king's robe and being brought out on horses and, you know, for all the people to cheer and all these things. And of course, the king was planning for Mordecai to be honored in that fashion. And Mm -hmm. at that point, then uh, Haman was hung on his own gallows. Mm -hmm. Hung on his own petard, so to speak. Yes. Yeah. Um, Yes, that's all true. And in today's world, we're going to move towards the thought of... um, Goliath, yeah, in uh, in our world today, yes, and how God used Esther in that situation, and He also used David to uh, defeat and mm-hmm. kill mm-hmm. Goliath. Basically, He used Esther to kill Haman, right, right, and He used David to kill Goliath, which were similar from a similar line and a similar spirit, right? Yes, and these were both. These people, while we see them in the biblical stories as being people, these people represent both Haman and Goliath. Mm -hmm. Haman, I don't think Goliath was human, but they represented powers and principalities of evil. Yes. So if we want to talk about context, which we started out before, Mm -hmm. who is the thought behind the thought? Who are the powers and principalities behind Mm -hmm. Haman? Who are the powers and principalities behind Goliath? Who, what represents Goliath? in America today. Yeah. I think that is the the spirit that wants to take life. I think it's the spirit that wants to destroy identity. Mm-hmm. Um, all of these uh, things that are coming against the children, that are coming against life, that are really coming against creation and the creator. I believe those are that's the spirit we're dealing with. So we're looking at people like, well, I won't call names, but I'll say the elites of the world that are funding uh, far left agendas to. Would you say globalists? Globalists, yes. Uh, those are the people who are, you know, walking and carrying out the spirit of Baal or the spirit that's coming against God Himself. Mm-hmm. Um, I and agree that, with you. Those are the giants we're coming up against, and it seems almost impossible, really, in the natural to bring them down. But with God, all things are possible. And it's like that David story. You know, David walked up and mm-hmm. he said, he said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Mm-hmm. Who is this giant? He started asking questions. He saw a problem. They said, who are you? You know, you need to go back home and tend the sheep. He said, um, I can take, he went to the king. He said, I can take this giant down. The king said, take my armor and God be with you. Mm-hmm. Cause he knew he was a child, basically a young, you know, a teenage boy. Um, but he had, didn't know that David had been prepared in the shepherd's field, that he had been using that, you know, slingshot very strategically and artfully and skillfully mm-hmm. um, for a while now to kill lions, bears, big animals coming after the sheep. He had also been in the secret place with the Lord. So he tries on this heavy armor, which I see as the political system that I'm up against. That's good. That's good. Um, And he says, you know what? I got to take this off. I've got to do this my way. Mm -hmm. I have to be unapologetically who I am and who I've been in the shepherd's field. Mm -hmm. I'm going to just go do what I do with the Lord. Mm -hmm. He said, you come at me. He's talking to the giant. You come at me with javelin and spear. 
but I come at you in the name of the Lord. And this day I'm going to take your head off. That's right. <laughs> and he did. He killed him with, and he's looking at these five stones and it's like, this is the little bit I have in my hand, you know, but God's anointed this. And I don't even need all five of these. I just need one because I know who my God is. And my God is bigger than this giant. And I'll that... Give, I'll give you a different take. <laughs> okay. Goliath had four brothers. Right. He's not only going to knock out Goliath, he's going to knock out his four brothers. Right. That's why he had four thrills. Well, I have heard that he's theory. Yes. <laughs> I've heard that theory. But he did. He took his head He took his head off. The head will be the head of the powers and principality over uh, America. Mm-hmm. And it's really tyranny. That takes away our freedom because the enemy doesn't want every individual in America to reach their calling and destiny, but God does. Yeah. And we need our freedom back as he, his children. He's the so only we, one who can do it, too. That's true. We so can't we, do it, but we, we thank he you can. for sharing this time <laughs> with Rivera, and she'll be back with us. <laughs> 